Suffering is an unavoidable part of life. We all have to suffer in one form or another. But why and what good does it do? That's right. Sam and I are going to wrestle with the topic of suffering in today's episode. Stay tuned. Today's handshake or manly virtue is suffering silently as a Catholic man. Um, nobody likes a whiner. Nobody likes a complainer. Um, nobody wants to hear about your woes. Uh, so just uh, bite your lip. Yeah. <laughs> so offer it up to the Lord uh, and don't complain. Well, Sam, it's good to be here again. Good to join you. Good to talk about the problem of suffering. Yeah. So suffering is something that uh, we all struggle with. Mm-hmm. It's something that I have a very deep relationship with and mm-hmm. my understanding of suffering and my uh, wrestling with suffering. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about the problem of evil and the mystery that will always be there mm-hmm. uh, with evil and with suffering, but how the world has taught me um, mm-hmm. suffering versus what the church has taught about suffering and that I've learned, you know, and so I look forward to to jumping in and discussing that. Before we do that, though, it's important to mention that we are on YouTube, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on CastBox, we're on Google Podcasts and Stitcher and iHeart, just to name a few. So please follow us on your podcast player of choice or our YouTube of choice hit that subscribe button so that uh, we can come back to you week in and week out, and we appreciate you watching. So going back uh, to this problem of suffering, the world desperately avoids suffering, and the world tells me to do the same, right? So the world has always... I think when you're a kid or you're younger, with suffering, it's something that... You know, it's mom and dad are there to take care of and they're to, there to help. And mm-hmm. physically, generally speaking, mm-hmm. you're physically in shape and you're not dealing with the, the sufferings of adulthood and the sufferings of loss of others right. or, you know, these great sufferings. And so when you start to deal with suffering, be it physical or emotional or even spiritual, we, we tend to run from it if we're not, and I guess... Honestly speaking, who who wouldn't? No one likes to suffer, right? right? Or at right, least I right. haven't met somebody who likes to suffer. Yeah. But that's something that um, I'm con- was constantly bombarded with, and I know it touched me, and and I guess tr- changed me, and in a very mm-hmm. uh, way that was contrary to to yeah. truth and mm-hmm. to a, a right understanding of suffering, because. If I'm always running from suffering, then the world is passing me by. But that's what the world teaches. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, the world acts as if suffering is the greatest evil. Yeah. And pleasure is the greatest good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing even as Christians how that has infected our thinking. Yeah. Um, but the world, you know, really, I just think about it um, for the second you get a headache, there's Tylenol. Right. Um, for more severe sufferings, there's morphine and yeah. other more powerful, more potent drugs. And really, you know, there's 
just countless ways that we've built into our modern life to even avoid the suffering of minor things like inconveniences. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've got all kinds of machines and gadgets and tools um, to avoid even uh, nuisances or uh, annoyances or the suffering that comes with effort. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not here to knock down all. I get some really bad headaches sometimes, right. and you know I'm thankful for ibuprofen yeah, or something like that to help relieve that. Um, but I'm just saying that the mentality is suffering is the greatest evil, whereas the church tells us that suffering is actually not the greatest evil. No. Sin is it's the greatest the, evil. Right. Um, and so suffering can actually be something that, while in and of itself it is not a good, it can be transformed and transmuted, uh, transubstantiated even, into something that can be used for good. Um, and that really just kind of blows the world's paradigm to pieces when you think about, well, all this senseless suffering, and it can be very vexing when you, you know, I've had some really, yeah. just being honest and vulnerable, I've had some really dark nights yeah. of the soul as I've kind of just come face to face with the ugliness and suffering and evil that can be in the world. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a real struggle uh, to reconcile that with what we know about God's goodness sometimes, and yet we also know through the lives of the saints, through our Lord Jesus himself, um, that suffering doesn't have to have the final word. Yeah. Um, that it can, good can come out of evil in a mysterious way. Yeah. Um, you know, I like you saying that, and it's actually something that, so when I learned that uh, there was a, such a thing as redemptive suffering, yeah. you know, as suffering united to Christ, and mm -hmm. we'll talk about that more, it, it was... It was there in the mind, mm -hmm. you know, but not in the heart. Yeah. And so I understood it, but it didn't make me feel better. Mm. It didn't really, I wasn't convinced. And, mm. you know, and I, I actually think that that's a struggle even today in my life, you mm. know, is, is understanding and being convinced of the, the value of redemptive suffering, even if I've experienced it. And one, one concrete way I'll say that I've experienced uh, that sort of suffering and how it's brought uh the good and unity is, and I don't even know if you know this, Sam, but maybe you do. But when I uh, was playing trumpet, I was over in China and playing for the uh, 2008 Olympics, kind of evening performances for people who um, were coming to attend the Olympics. And I was in an orchestra there. It was a lot of fun. But I got a bug bite on my foot. Mm. And, you know, it was like a bug bite that was just like a normal bite. You, it was itching and it didn't, wasn't healing. And I went to a doctor over there. Uh, it was an American doctor who was over there. And he gave me some, like, a antibiotic ointment. And it was like a miracle. I put it on and, like, three days later, the bite was all better. Mm -hmm. You know, it gotten past the pussy and all that annoyance and... And then I came back to America mm -hmm. after being over there for a couple weeks. I came back to America and I was living by myself in a studio apartment there in New Haven, Connecticut, where I was doing my master's degree. And I started to feel really sick. And so I went to the doctors and they just said, oh, it's just a common cold. Drink your vitamin C, you know, mm -hmm. take, take, or take, drink your orange juice, get your vitamin C, get your vitamin D, and, and just get plenty of rest. And so yeah. I went back, and then three days later, I was still feeling bad. And so the school semester hadn't started yet, so I went back to the health service center, and they tested me, knowing I had been to China. They tested me for a bunch of things, 
It all came back as negative, and they told me to, again, go home. And there's really nothing we can give you. It must be just some virus. And so I did. I went home. There's nothing they could give me, just some virus. And then I actually went into a coma. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Living by myself, went Mm. into a coma for two and a half days. And I was by myself, living by myself, and I called my dad. I remember calling my dad on Monday morning. So that was Friday when I went to the doctors. And uh, I called my dad on Monday morning, and my dad said to me, it's the first thing I remember him saying, John, this is the fifth time you have called me this morning. You have to call the ambulance. Now, my parents are in Texas, and I'm up in Connecticut by myself. And my parents had the ability and wherewithal to call a the security guard at the Catholic Center, actually. And so he was a friend of mine. And he came, got the landlord to open the door, actually carried me out of my apartment. And I'm not a small guy, so I can't imagine what that looked like. Yeah. Um, but, but he carried me out of my apartment, and he personally rushed me over. And New Haven's a small enough area that him rushing me over was faster than you know an ambulance getting there and taking me you know a five-minute drive. So he took me there. They put me in an ambulance. Anyways, longer story, I guess, made shorter, is... I ended up having a brain encephalitis, which is a virus of the brain, and it caused me to um, go into this comatose state, and and who knows what would have happened if he hadn't been there. But while I'm at in the hospital for 11 days and they I couldn't eat and they were you know feeding me through a tube and they were um, my digestion because I was on three different antibiotics um, so they were having to give me shots in my stomach for um, just to help with digestive enzymes and things like that that I needed uh, it turned out that I was the only person in the Western world with my documented case of encephalitis wow. so the doctors had no clue what it was. But, and by God's grace, uh, there was a doctor up there who is a Catholic and is a leading doctor of um, infectious disease and uh, things like meningitis among pneumonia patients. Well, he was going to the same church I was attending and he guided me into what to do because I had doctors that wanted to open my skull and figure out what was inside of me. And, And so anyways, but the redemptive part of this was I was just trusting in God. When I finally came up, I'm like, well, Lord, that was one of these situations that there was nothing I was capable. Mr. Control Freak over here was no longer allowed to control my life. I was no longer in control. So it was really one of the first moments of my life that I actually started offering things up and just Mm. offering the suffering up for God's will Mm -hmm. and still um, growing in my faith, offering it up for God's will, but here's the thing, the amount of people from my past and my, all the way back to uh, like elementary school that I hadn't spoken with mm-hmm. had heard about this and were praying for me. Wow. And I got, I got dozens upon dozens of people who were praying for me. And this was just awe-inspiring. For me, mm-hmm. it was something that I never once... Um, understood how my suffering and my, I guess, my ability to, to let go yeah. because there was nothing that I could do yeah. and those in that struggle uh, brought 
so many people to, to God, that yeah. brought so many people to faith. And of course mm -hmm. my family, but friends that I hadn't spoken of in 10 years plus, you know, I uh, had heard about this. And, and that, and on all humility, that uh, bringing of, of, of God to, to others or that they turn to God because of my situation um, was really beautiful and was really kind of um, mind-boggling for me. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's a really moving story. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's one example of how sometimes evil and suffering can call forth the good yeah. that is otherwise... Uh, latent. Yeah, um, right? So you think about, uh, you know, the night sky, right? The yeah. darkness makes the stars shine that much brighter. It's not true. Um, and uh, those people might have never even thought of you. They might have never prayed for you. They right. might have um, not been called to action themselves yeah. had you not been in some way suffering. So um, that's just one example of how suffering can be used for greater good. That's, that's, right. that's really... Uh, powerful story. Yeah. yeah, you know, and even even with that, you know, and that experience that I just brought up, still when I suffer day to day, I I'll be honest that I don't suffer certainly not with joy as some yeah. of the saints have have stated, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, or 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 peace even, and so that's that's often my common prayer is Lord help me maintain my peace mm -hmm. in these sufferings, right? And we're all mm -hmm. called to that. We're called to unite our sufferings to God. And I know you kind of already suggested it uh, with the Tylenol, but yeah, St. Alphonsus talked about our, um, we are re responsible for trying to alleviate suffering. Mm -hmm. We are responsible if we are struggling to see to go see a doctor, yes. if we are, you know, if we have a pain um, that yeah. is uh, we don't understand, to go see a doctor, we're required to do those things. But I feel like the world has at least um, guided me to understand that those things are evil, you mm -hmm. know, and that there is no worth in these little sufferings. And to flee from them, or to do whatever I can in comfort and in you know in mm -hmm. growth and money and in security to alleviate all pain and all suffering at all costs, because there's zero worth to that, and it's just a, an annoyance. It's just a negative part of life, and you know the more we can reduce it, uh, the better. So, you know, there's yeah, there's a way of of viewing suffering that is right and that is ordered and that is balanced mm -hmm. hey we're going to try and take care of it but it's an it's a part of life yeah. it's something we have to deal with mm -hmm. um or there's the way that just like all suffering is wicked and evil and therefore there is no god mm -hmm. because people suffer yeah so. yeah yeah um you know there's so many thoughts um, coming to mind yeah. but um the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that suffering does exist. Right. We live in a fallen world mm -hmm. in which suffering is just kind of tragically interwoven into the fabric of existence. For example, you know, in the Salve Regina, the, the Hail Holy Queen, oh, you know, yeah. there's that line, there's a veil of tears. Yes. Like, churches always recognize that we live in a veil of tears. There is sorrow, there is suffering. Um, you know, and you, you think of even other religions of acknowledge this, like Buddhism, you know, yeah. the, one of the first 
of the four noble truths of Buddhism is that you know suffering exists. That's right. It's, it's inescapable. It's a fact of life that we are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's interesting, kind of what you said. What the world tells us is that suffering is senseless. It's meaningless. Um, and there's no purpose to it. That's right. Uh, in a sense, that's true. Sometimes suffering can be um, mm. seemingly mindless. Yeah. Where the difference comes in, though, is we are creatures endowed with free will, yeah. with freedom. Um, where the the suffering moves from meaningless to meaningful yeah. is in the will. That's right. It's when we make a choice fact that I'm going to suffer is in some ways unavoidable. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be extremely tragic or traumatic, but there's little nuisances that can happen to us, but there's also all the way up to great tragedies that can occur to us. Um, what, what the, where the difference occurs is what we decide to do with it. Um, are we going to fight it and we're going to resist it, which actually increases our suffering in the end. Yeah. Or are we going to accept it peacefully and um, use it in a spiritual way for a greater good as a rung on the ladder to heaven, so to speak. Amen. Yeah, that uniformity with God's will, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I know that book is really important. It is, yeah, it is. I've, I've read St. Alphonsus's book, Uniformity of God's Will, uh, many times. And uh, I think that that's, that for me is was... Um, was so helpful in viewing suffering rightly mm-hmm. because when I was actively pursuing the will of God, mm-hmm. all of these things that were coming to me, I could make sense of mm-hmm. within, um, within God's, um, or at least offering it up to him, sorry, and maybe not within God's plan because I don't know God's plan, but right. I was able to offer it up to him and join in that redemptive suffering of Christ. You know, so I think it's important for, I know it's important for all of us to understand that we can part, be partakers in Christ's suffering, right? Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. He is the way. Let's just focus on that, right? Yeah. The way of the cross, Christ's way was was filled with suffering. Yeah. And in Christ, who was God made man, des- didn't deserve any suffering, mm-hmm. you know, was was purer than pure, you know, mm-hmm. was was more um, uh, beautiful than our possible imagination can can create. But he suffered to show us that example. And in the garden, three times while he was experiencing his agony, and he said, thy will be done, mm-hmm. you know, not mine. He was showing us when intense suffering is happening, when he's thinking about and taking on the weight of, of the sin, of all the sin that has happened, all the sin that's going to happen for our sakes. And he didn't want that, you know, right. you could hear that. Let this cup pass me. He still kept on saying, thy will be done. And for me, that's a, that's a daily prayer. That is a yeah. daily prayer is uniting what's happening to me to the will of God right. and trying to see how this can be a benefit. I liked your rung of the ladders. This can be a benefit for growth and holiness. Yeah. Well, and I, I meditating on the life of Christ or the sufferings of Christ yeah. is so important. And what we often focus on though is his physical sufferings. Yeah. But there is in which were intense. Yeah. I mean, far beyond anything we can imagine. Right. 
But there's also other dimensions of human, the human person that are able to suffer. So, for example, there's physical suffering, yeah. there's psychological, emotional suffering, yeah. and there's spiritual suffering. Right. But I would say in the cross, Christ experienced all three of those. Mm. So, you know, we see, like, obviously when you scourge, that's deep physical yeah. suffering, right? But there's also the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I would say is, like, radical psychological suffering. Yeah. So there's people out there who say, oh, yeah, of course, Jesus was nailed to the cross, but he's never experienced the deep depression that I've experienced. Yeah. Well, I'm, like, on the brink of, of suicide. Yeah. Actually... Jesus did. He said, he cried out, sweating tears of blood, which is a yeah. sign of extreme psychological pressure. Uh, his blood vessels literally burst. He was under so much pressure psychologically. Like, mm. he understands psychological suffering. He also understands spiritual suffering. Thank when you. on the cross, he cried out, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, it was impossible for him to literally be cut off from God the Father. But at an exper experiential level, yeah. not, in, not in an actual... Um, spiritual level, but yeah. in an experiential level, he felt abandoned by God on the cross. Yeah. And so we don't have a God who is untouched by suffering. He's not off somewhere yeah. out there in the ether, you know, completely disconnected from human sufferings, just kind of sitting up there detached, right. um, you know, demanding all these things of us without ever having experienced anything that we've experienced. He entered intimately into every dimension of human suffering. and. Um, was able, like the devil threw the worst that he had yeah. at Christ on the cross. Yeah. He threw all the suffering creatively that he could think of at Christ yeah. on the cross and said, how do you like that? Yeah. Um, and Christ took that suffering, gathered it into himself, yeah. like kind of like the, the host on a patent, you know. Yeah. And then he said... Um, you know, in your hands I commend my spirit. He transformed all that through absolute surrender into the greatest good the universe has ever known. That's so true. And thank you, Sam, because the fact that you brought up uh, that it's not only physical, mm -hmm. I think is so important for affluent society to understand. But even society understands this, right? Because we've seen those memes of like first world problems, yes, first world right. problems, and people laugh at them and they're like, yeah, but actually when those little first world problems happen to you, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's a it could be just, should be an inconvenience, but often it is, you know, this like great suffering is that mm -hmm. my avocados are not ripe yet, <laughs> you know? And, and my, you know, I'll never get my guac it's never gonna it's never gonna happen and so but I, I love the fact that you brought up physical because I do believe um, unfortunately things like euthanasia are on the rise yes. and they're on a rise because a direct result uh, an impoverished view of suffering yeah. is what I would say but that goes beyond physical and goes to that mental, that mm -hmm. level of mental. And, and yeah. sure, there's the dark night and the spiritual. But with mental suffering, that is something that's also on the rise, yeah. right? Depression right. and panic attacks and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I know there's something that I've struggled with, right? Yeah. My fear of failure, yeah. my, my desire to... Um, be the most successful mm -hmm. in the world's view, yeah. but then this f tension and this friction that we have with, with what what does the world? It's it's like a fin when we're talking about success in the eyes of the world, it's like a moving finish line. Have you ever seen those greyhounds that are chasing the bunny rabbit and they're never going to catch the bunny rabbit? <laughs> right, yeah. that bunny rabbit is is the world's success yeah. and how they view success. And when you can't catch it. 
are you you think you've achieved success, but it's not enough. Yeah. It it becomes depressing. Yeah. You start you start struggling with with deep depression often and and anxiety. And then once you're you've had that physiological change within you, yeah. that can be a great cross it to, to be. bear. And, and I think that it's so important and again on the rise because we do so much to alleviate physical suffering. Right. But if our mind is not constantly aware in pursuing the good, mm-hmm. then that uh, that mental suffering is just gonna be uh, chaos. It's yeah. gonna be a huge struggle in our lives. Yeah. And and no, this is mind blowing for a lot of people. Yeah. But there are actually saints who suffered from depression. Yeah. Um, you know, Saint Therese, one of the most yes. beloved saints in church history. Um, and it's tragic that this happened, but originally, when uh, Story of a Soul, her autobiography, first came out, her superior didn't like the fact that she spoke of her depression and edited out those chapters before the book was published. I think more recent oh, versions wow. have them back in there. Wow. But she um, was incredibly sick. Um, and on her sickbed, she confessed that she, you know, she actually was tempted by the devil towards things like suicide and things wow. like that. Um, she uh, felt such despair, such darkness of soul um, in in that sick state that she was in, that she said she even identified. She felt a great affinity with atheists because she understood in that moment what they felt, wow. the despair and the darkness that they felt. Psychological suffering, okay? Yeah. It's a real form of suffering. And I think um, as men, that's one that we are apt not to address. Yeah, I admit. You know, mm. oh, you know, I can I can just suck it up. And, that's and right. It really suck just, it, mm-hmm. it just uh, weighs on you. And so it's real, and we need to not discount that. Um, but again, our Lord was not untouched by that. And he shows us the way to turn all the evils that we may experience of life into yeah. good. Um, and again, the devil's going to test us. He's going to throw things in our life and say, well, you think you're so holy. What are you going to do with yeah. this? And then you just throw something painful into our life. And then we have a choice. Yeah. Are we going to succumb to despair or are we going to follow the way of Christ, the way of the cross, which says... Um, Evil can become good. Can evil can be used for good um, in a way that literally is the devil can't even conceive of. His yeah. mind is so whipped and well, I mean warped and twisted, twisted yeah. that he can't he can't figure out <laughs> he can't see it. Uh, yeah. But we can through the grace of God. Uh, we can we can turn tragedy into triumph. Um, by embracing God's will, um, whatever may come. Amen, by embracing God's will. And I think, I I didn't know that about St. Therese. I really appreciate Mm. you sharing that. I'll add her, and I think anyone listening can add her uh, to their uh, list of saints to turn to, right? So Mm -hmm. I know St. Dymphna, of course, you know, she's a patron saint um, against anxiety. And um, I've got her little uh, litany, or her little prayer, uh, right above my coffee maker, actually, yeah. you know, because coffee gives me anxiety, but I love it. No, <laughs> <laughs> so there is a little humor in that, and so we have uh, my wife and I have Saint Dipna there as as a reminder. But Saint Therese, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I think that's, and isn't that so beautiful that God yeah. would give give her to us, and and that He would allow that information about her to be known, uh, so that we have another saint to turn to. Mm-hmm. But another thing that you have been talking about that 
got me to think is, um, well, first, yes, as men, we very much don't want to, to express our emotions. My brother-in-law and I had a joke recently where we were talking about a difficulty that we were having and an emotional difficulty. Yeah. And then I, I texted him and I said, um, but you know, I'm a guy, so I'm just going to push this deep down inside <laughs> and I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. And he responded, he said, yeah, I think that's usually the best approach. And he was like, my wife doesn't care too much when, uh, when I have to express my emotions. And of course he's totally joking. And, um, and so it's really important to find a, a brother in Christ who yeah. you can you can bring these things up to or seek help if, if you need mm-hmm. to. Help, which I've sought, you know, in my uh, different yeah. uh, 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 times of life. Um, but another thing and another saint, of course, that we can turn to is Our Lady. Yes. You know, and I thought about um, Our Lady's um, suffering that she endured. You brought up the the. Uh, the cross. And I think, I don't know if anybody's ever read City of God, but uh, the mystical recounting of, of, of Christ's life uh, by Mary of Agreda. Mm -hmm. But there's a section in there where she is just blown away at our lady's ability to control and not outwardly express her emotions Mm -hmm. and her suffering. And she says to our lady, basically, is wondering how much Our Lady suffered because Our Lady was so composed. And Our Lady gave her this um, spiritual grace to experience the suffering that she had. And Mary of Agreda said, never in her life, and by God's will, never again will I ever experience a pain Mm -hmm. so great and so deep. And so if we think about somebody who was... um, uh, reflecting on these things and, and holding these things in her heart... Um, and then was experiencing the passion of Christ in union with him. You know, we have, and that I think is a beautiful account of the suffering of others. Yeah. Right. So talking to our lady when, when our child is suffering, isn't that the worst? When your child is suffering, there's, there's no, that, that's some of the most difficult things, uh, to, to comprehend and to, um, I offer up my kids' sufferings too, just as a way of of praying for them and 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 being for them, and and I will do anything to protect them from that. But I also turn to Our Lady, knowing that mm-hmm. Our Lady was able to witness the suffering of her son in a way incomparable to the rest of us. Yeah. And she understands that suffering. Yeah, and she's there to help me, and she's there to help us, yeah. and and to guide us. So. Um, yeah, the seven sorrows of Our Lady, yeah. you know, is uh, just something that we all need to meditate on yeah. because um, I, you know, when my firstborn um, was two weeks old, yeah, incredibly tiny still, um, he got an infection and we had to take him to the emergency room um, and he... They were trying to, you know, they were going to end up doing surgery to remove mm. the infection and everything. But before they did that, they had to put an IV in him, you know, and uh, they were trying to find the vein and all this stuff. And then they, he was just screaming and screaming. My wife couldn't handle it. She I just bet. had to leave the room. I bet. And um, then he, uh, he ended up, you know, I had to stay with him. But that was just agony for me. 
And um, later on, like my later on, one of my other children, my daughter, um, she was two, and she fell and bit through her tongue, oh. and they had to put stitches in her tongue. And you know, I had to hold her while they did it, and it was just traumatic for me. You know, just watching her suffer. So. There's nothing like, you know, like I can endure a lot myself. I know. But the thought of like one of my children suffering is just horrible. Yeah. Um, but one of my, I was just getting choked up just thinking about it. But one of my favorite scenes in The Passion yeah. of Christ, the movie, um, is the scene where Jesus is it's the way of the cross. He's carrying the cross. Yeah. And Mary's just like remembering him being a little boy falling and scraping his knee. And then she turns, like, she just can't watch, you know. And then she finally turns around and runs to Jesus. And he looks at her and says, Behold, Mother. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it without getting choked up, yeah. but, you know, I make all things new. Yeah. Amen. Um, and that's that's the beauty of redemption. It is, and amen. And I, I love that. And I think he reminded me of when <laughs> getting choked up. Uh, and Catherine Emmerich's account, Passion yeah. account, there's that moment, and, it, in, and I know um, in Mel Gibson's movie, he did a good job of this, but yes. when you're reading it, it brings a whole new depth to it, but that moment that Christ in his suffering falls and looks over at Our Lady, yeah. I just started crying while I was reading yeah. that book, you know, and that she is connecting, and so those of us who have our mothers, we understand mm. how close they are to yeah. us and how much, even if our mother was absent many times in life, she's still our mother. Yeah. And that's still, um, you know, what brought us into this world that gave mm. us life, you know? And and so there's still that close connection. And I, t I totally, yeah, Christ makes all things new. And that is, um, that is, that is redemptive suffering. So one other thing that I know I like to, and in just being vulnerable and, and admit, is knowing where you're at in mm -hmm. the realm of suffering. So I started diving deep into St. Teresa of Avila mm -hmm. and St. Alphonsus at the yeah. same time, New, newly married, um, going to uh, Latin Mass mm -hmm. and... Uh, learning about all these incredible saints, Saint G uh, Saint Gemma, which my firstborn child, Saint Catherine of Siena. Oh, I loved reading the stories of all these saints. And um, but one of the things that was this idea of well, we can we can grow in holiness. And I believe it's Saint Teresa of Avila who talks. No, no, forgive me. It was Saint Ignatius of Loyola who spoke about that a person who has endured great sufferings and frequent sufferings, it's a sheer sign that God loves them and wants their soul mm, in heaven, yeah. wants their sanctity. And I'm like, oh, I'm not suffering enough. <laughs> and I did. And, and, and you hear the stories of famous saints. Famous last words. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Famous last words. St. Fran uh, Francis of Assisi, you know, praying for an increase of suffering and things of that nature. I caution anybody who's listening <laughs> because I'll use my story as, as, a, as a brief example and be it, you know, I believe there's no coincidences in God's providence, but I was newly married. I was like, ah, totally ignorant, so lacking in maturity. And I did. I just started praying for an increase of suffering. Ignorant of suffering peacefully, ignorant of of the importance of suffering like joyfully as many of the saints call but they but but even peacefully right yeah. it's like i 
I just humbled myself, but I started praying for an increase of suffering. And just a couple days later, I um, had uh, an internal reaction that caused me to pass out, fall down on the side of um, uh, my cabinets in my bathroom, scrape the full side of my face, hit the ground. And if you could imagine what my wife thought in the middle of the night when she woke up, I sat up and I passed out again. And so she came and thought... And I didn't tell my wife I was praying for an increase of suffering. And, <laughs> she probably would and, have slapped you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And she should have, right? Rightly so, because I was not at the place of where any of these saints were. God was not, I didn't even ask, you know, God if he was calling me to that. There was just like, again, you got to do it, you know? Yeah. So so pray for it. And And so I did, and I will say that I suffered very poorly. Yeah. I was rushed to the hospital. I um, I was uh, to the emergency room, and this this sort of uh, occurrence has been with me uh, through this day. This this physical um, suffering that I've endured. But here's the point of the moral of that story: is don't be an idiot. Don't don't <laughs> don't don't pray for suffering unless you understand redemptive suffering. Right. Unless you under, I mean, here's what I do. I do this now. I pray for peace in my suffering. Yeah. And there was there was a couple of years there that I was like, not only did I not suffer peacefully, but these saints were talking about suffering joyfully. And yeah. I'm like, there's no joy in my suffering. There's no um, uh, desire to 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 suffer more. It's it's like a, a, a struggle and a pain. And and again, that 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 was viewing God's will and God's plan uh, incorrectly in my imagery. Yes. I'm thankful for this suffering. Yeah. I do feel very frequently that God has to hit me upside the head for me to get to do what is right. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel uh, it's, I see that in this when I look back mm-hmm. and how um, I, he's, because of this suffering, uh, he's, I'm, I'm able to uh, moderate gluttony, you know, with, with mm-hmm. more ease because the physical, you know, condition yeah. that it'll put me in. So I see his grace, but first off, I don't expect myself anytime soon to suffer joyfully. Yeah. But if I can just suffer peacefully, yeah. you know, and where I'm not ruining other people's days because I'm mm-hmm. a big baby, <laughs> that'd be a good, that'd be a good step in the right direction. So that's, that's currently where I'm at. And, and, that little experience of zeal in my life. Yeah. And, and I don't regret it, but it's certainly a caution. Yeah, well, and it's funny, you mentioned a couple of times there, just kind of um, this idea of redemptive suffering or, or kind of the Catholic version of suck it up is offer it up. Yeah. Uh, people can say it very flippantly sometimes yeah. without really you know understanding it or maybe if they do, not really caring or believing in it. But well, let's talk for a second yes. about this idea of reparation or redemptive suffering or offering it up. Like, what mm-hmm. are we talking about when we use those words? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that work? Like, I, I think that'd be worth exploring a little bit because um, it is something that sometimes people don't understand very well, or if they do, again, it's just um, something that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, agreed. So. Within the the teaching of redemptive suffering, it's that we can unite our suffering to that of Christ mm-hmm. and therefore join Christ mm-hmm. in um, the forgiveness of uh, original sin and the forgiveness of, of mm-hmm. you know, the, the world and to actually help other people, yeah. right? So 
um, when I have offered it up, so to speak, and, and we do have to go back to telling other people to offer it up, but when I um, when we start talking and actually reflecting and prayerfully discerning this, first it it comes not by the intellect, but by mm. by faith, yeah. right? So we move on this and on this understanding with faith. Mm-hmm. And that faith is, is that our suffering has merit to mm-hmm. it. Yes, yeah. merit to grow in holiness, but also merit to help others. Yeah. And so within that faith and within that um, eye of faith and teachings of the church and scripture, we can see how we can unite our suffering. And, and Paul, you know, talks about rejoicing in our sufferings, yes, you know, yes. and then also talks about the sufferings of this world and how they don't compare to the mm-hmm. joys of heaven. And, and so we can unite our sufferings and our difficulties. And it doesn't just have to be once a day. It could be 200 times a day, yeah. you know. If that's yeah. where you're at and that's the suffering uh, that you're enduring, is offering that up, but moving forward with the eyes of faith that God can utilize that suffering to to pour forth grace mm-hmm. upon the world, pour forth grace upon others. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think of it um, in terms of, you know, when I was first coming into the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. I heard this kind of archaic term, you know, the treasury of merit, and it was yeah. talking about like, you know, I was merit. picturing like this giant treasure chest <laughs> in heaven overflowing yeah. with gold coins. You That's know, it's, right. it's kind of a medieval metaphor, but uh, but I think as my my understanding has grown and matured around this topic, I think it's much more like blood in your veins. Mm. Like think about it, um, when we sin. Our sins can so disorder in the body of Christ, yeah. just like you were talking about earlier about this infection that you got, yeah. how an infection in the blood can spread to other parts of the body. That's right. Um, and so there's disorder sown there by our sins. But likewise, the good that we do can also benefit the other parts of the body um, through this kind of circulation through the body of Christ. Um, There's a flow there between what I do. You know, um, you think about your body. uh, You know, if if your lungs are healthy, then, you know, the blood in your your feet and your arms and your legs and your head will all be benefiting from the health of that one organ in the body. So um, likewise, we can all benefit each other, spiritually speaking, through that same connection that we all share through the body of Christ. Um, and when you talk about redemptive suffering, yeah. a lot of the saints, like, they were so holy, like it was hard to even imagine them, you know, they talk about, well, rep- reparation for sin. Well, they weren't really atoning for their own sins. sins. It was yeah. the sins of others in the body of Christ. Um, and there, But again, there's that circulation system almost of grace. I love it. Where um, our, our good, the, the, our, when we suffer well, it can redound to the benefit of others in the body of yeah. Christ. Um, and so we should take that seriously and realize that just as sin can so disorder, um, suffering well can so uh, grace and goodness and spiritual power into the body of well Christ. Said. Yeah. Well said, Sam. No, thank you. You know, and so there's a couple things. There's the offering it up. And and talking, uh, suggesting that to others, mm-hmm. and that I that I'd still like to to go into, and uh, but yeah, that the idea that we are all one body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We are all in the communion of of the body. Um, but there's 
Well, let's talk about the offering it up and suggesting that because I also wanted to talk about purgatory and, and okay. pay now or pay later, um, you know, sort of uh, that you just triggered within uh, my mind. But um, I think we both experienced in, in our own zeal and now in humble recognition of yeah. how suggesting to other people to offer it up <laughs> um, is, is something that needs to be taken very delicately. Yes. So I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering greatly and somebody just tells me to offer it up, I want to punch them, right? Yes, right. I'm, I'm like, and and if, if you can imagine, um, anytime I've even, um, and my wife is an amazing, very holy and, and just an amazing woman, um, but how insensitive, you know, I've been to her emotions in, yep. in certain times when when she's having great difficulty yeah. and I flippantly even suggest, like, <laughs> it's now at a point where she can see in my eyes if I'm about to suggest offer it up, and I know because <laughs> I can see in her eyes. Uh, it's important to uh, understand the emotions of others, but also understand the place of the understanding of others. So, right, just going around um, to kids or to um, people who are still new in their faith life mm -hmm. and telling them to offer it up can often do more harm than mm -hmm. good to their understanding of God the Father, to yeah. their understanding of love, because they just think that um, I'm always going to suffer. God is is permitting or even uh, requiring this suffering upon me, and I just need to offer it up and suck it up and yep, pick yep. myself up by my bootstraps, you know, ignoring grace and that which is sufficient to help us. So, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, ignoring grace. That's the whole thing is like the whole point of offering it up is yeah. because grace is what enables you to transform that. You know, when I hear the words offer it up, what I yeah. imagine is. Uh, the priest at mass when he yeah. elevates the chalice or the pad yeah. or the host, you know, he's holding it up. We are when we offer it up, we're yeah. placing our sufferings, our trials, our difficulties yeah. into that host, into that chalice, and raising it to God and saying, "Transform it, yeah. change it, That's right. change this kind of raw element." you know, that this raw experience that I'm suffering that may in and of itself have nothing good in it. No. But change it into good. Yeah. Through the miracle of grace, just as you transform the bread and the wine into something miraculous, yeah. something uh, powerful. Do that with my sufferings. That's what offering it up means. And I would encourage everybody to start practicing if you don't already. Yeah. The morning offering. Yes, the morning offering, um, absolutely. There's different forms of it, but mm -hmm. the, the gist is the same in all of them, that you are offering everything in your day, good, bad, indifferent, you're offering it to God just as if you were kind of putting it into that chalice at Mass and raising it up to God, saying transform it. And because let's face it, we all have little nuisances, annoyances, big and small sufferings right. throughout our day. If the first thing we do every day is offer that all to God, he can change it into something good in a way that we may never even recognize in this life. Yeah. Uh, so someday we'll know. Someday right. we'll know. But the point is to give it all to God and let Him transform it through grace into something miraculous. Amen. You know, and so we've talked about helping others with our suffering, and um, and I think it's also good to talk very briefly about. Um, 
for our own sins, the sins of our past, mm-hmm. that the suffering can be a way of healing, the way of right order, mm-hmm. the way of focusing our attention mm. and honestly offering up a degree of reparation for the sins of our past. Mm. You know, I had a, a real uh, great priest who used to say, pay now or pay later, <laughs> right? And so the idea is, is that our suffering can be and and can um uh, alleviate that temporal punishment due to our sin, mm-hmm. you know, later, you know, that's, but I rack up as many plenary indulgences as possible so I can avoid that. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, there's that running from, uh, from pain and suffering. But the idea that our suffering can also be offered up for, for the sins of our, our past. And so that, um, it can, uh, be counted towards, uh, that that temporal punishment, and I know that that's a deep. This is deep theology, and, and we mm-hmm. could really go deeper into to, to purgatory, and maybe we will in another episode. But I just wanted to mention that that it does bring me comfort as as mm-hmm. you know as humor because I want to get to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be a saint, and yeah. and I I want to get there as fast as possible. Yeah, and and if if my suffering in this world can shorten my time mm-hmm. in purgatory, <laughs> yep. right? And so I know there's another saying, those who aim for, you know, heaven get purgatory. And so, you know, I'm, I'm aiming for heaven. And if I can alleviate that, that time in purgatory, um, pay now or pay later, um, yeah, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. So. Well, in the words, you know, reparation yeah. and repair have the yeah. same root to That's them. That's right. Um, and there's that sense of repairing. Again, you know, uh, sometimes our children in their childish exuberance can do things like, let's say they're playing baseball and they knock out a neighbor's window. Yeah. Okay, well, I forgive you, son, but you still got to make it right. It's gotta, it, and that's the I same... I need a new window. Yeah, um, yeah like the same uh, destruction that is sown by sin. Yeah. Uh, it's like smashing a stained glass window in an ancient cathedral. Like, oh my goodness, well, that was horrible destruction. Like, you can't... Like, like, you know, Notre Dame just burned to the ground, okay? Yeah, That's yeah. horrible destruction. That is. It's horrible. That's what we do with our sins, spiritually speaking, yeah. is burn burn things to the I ground. Do. So God can forgive us in confession, yes. but we still have to make it right. We still have to repair through reparation the damage that we've done through sin. Um, and, you know, yes, someone who has every day, sincerely said a morning offering, or who offered all the little nuisances, the sufferings, the trials of life to God uh, consistently with a truly, with out of a heart of love, not just like this mechanical, of obligatory sense, but yeah. out of true love for God. Uh, I, I would find it very difficult for them to spend much time in purgatory at all. Yeah, I know. But how difficult is for that for us? Yes. Like we struggle to do that. But if it's something that we learn to do, it can transform pretty much, you know, every aspect of our life um, in in a really powerful way. I agree. So I think that for gentlemen, for men, it's important to understand suffering. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand that we are not ever going to escape suffering, Mm -hmm. that it is a part of our day-to-day life. Yeah. And then I think as men and how to suffer, it's also important not to... um, Impose your suffering on others by by how much you complain or how much you, you know, oh, I'm offering it up, you know, and, and these sort of things, which I think we're all prone to, right? Because we, mm-hmm. 
we, um, in our nature, don't want don't mm. want to experience suffering. Yeah. Where our nature is the garden, our nature is is eternity in heaven, and our and what we're desiring mm-hmm. for that. And so so we long for that truth. And mm. and when this you know comes to head in our day to day life, you know it's important to to interiorize and to you know, prayerfully transform your suffering mm, yeah. uh, for those good in the moment when it comes up. So for our nightcap today, I think that uh, you have got some books that you'd like to share with I do. Audience. I've got some books. So, you know, we've been uh, doing a lot of manly, um, you know, leather and uh, and other fun things that uh, that we can possess and we can purchase and can bring a sense of thanksgiving to our life. Yeah. But one of the things that I am also very keen on is a good collection of books or mm-hmm. a collection of spiritual uh, books. So I have a funny story that just occurred when I was flying and I didn't uh, expect this at all. But uh, TSA pulled me over for my spiritual weapons and not my physical <laughs> weapons. And so what do I mean by that? Well, TSA took my backpack and they called me to the side and they said, is there anything sharp, you know, or, or you know, is there any weapons in this backpack? And I, of course, no, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, no, no. And I'm like, oh, did I leave a knife in there? What did I, you know, um, what did I do? And I just it said, no, not at all. And this hilarious situation unfolded. So the TSA agent, mid-20s, opens up my backpack, has to go through every fold of my backpack, and he opens it up, and the first thing he sees is St. Alphonsus's uniformity with God's will. <laughs> and he, I watch him pull it, and I watch him stop, and he's obviously reading St. Alphonsus's <laughs> uniformity with God's will. And he was like, hmm. And then I see him go and he pulls another book out, which I'm actually not actively reading right now, but was in my backpack. And that was The Torments of Hell from, <laughs> from I believe, St. Robert Bellarmine. Um, and, uh, and he looks at that and I see him go like this. And he looks at me and he goes, are you a seminarian? And I was like, well, the fact that you know what a seminarian is. And I said, no, I'm not just a, a guest a practicing and devout Catholic. And he said, wow. You've got some serious books in your backpack. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah, and wow. I started laughing because then <laughs> the last thing he pulls out is uh, deliverance prayers by by Father um, uh, Riverger, um, an FSSP priest, um, uh, which is an incredible book. And he looks yes. at deliverance prayers. He puts it in and he closes my backpack and said, oh, man, you're good. You're good. You know? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and, so I thought how funny it was that they're looking for weapons. They're looking for toxic things. But these are, the, these are just three books because I would say that a gentleman that's in control of his emotions is a yeah. gentleman that is um, uh, rightly ordered, right? Yeah. And so these are just three books that have helped me greatly in my growth and holiness that I've read dozens of times. Mm. So it's kind of like uh, a Thanksgiving turkey needs to saturate in the brine for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. I have to reread these books, you know, yeah. to get that brine to 
to really sink in mm -hmm. deep. Mm -hmm. And so one of my favorite ones is this really thin book. You see Uniformity with God's Will, 20-some um, pages. <clears throat> and then by St. Alphonsus, the Doctor of yeah. Moral Theology. Another one is a modern book. And this one was given to me by um, a priest actually in confession, and that's uh, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And so that's another um, beautiful book that is is rightly written for today, yeah. Yeah. you know, for men and women today. And then obviously deliverance prayers because Satan is real, mm -hmm. right? I know all of our conversations are just suffering, but, you know, Satan can benefit from our suffering as well if we allow him to. And so these sort of binding prayers, these sort of um, prayers that uh, can can by our by the grace of our baptism, mm -hmm. we are allowed to enter into, um, are uh, just a great tool for yeah, men so to to, yeah. to have. So thanks for letting me share that story. Yeah, that yeah, fun. that's that's really fun. Yeah. Well, those are all great books. Fantastic. Yeah. So thanks, Sam. Thank you guys for joining us as we really had a long and enjoyable conversation on suffering, and as we always remember. Be a man, be a saint. Thanks for watching.